everyone justin here with hunt link by Serviceside. i am joined on the mic by a couple special guests today um we have a longtime member blaze champagne um and we have a somewhat newer member he's been in for about a year now uh dusty um ulrich what's going on fellas we're just preparing for an elk trip out west nice Nice. You know, and that was a huge reason why we wanted to get y'all on the podcast, kind of discuss this a little bit more of how y'all were able to prep. Um, you know, I know y'all have families, jobs, lives, live on a budget, all that other stuff like most of us hunters. Um, so we're going to dive into how you kind of created this hunt link and, and how you're going to go about it. But last time we were talking to you, Blaze, you were on a mountain, you were hunting, um, let's do a quick five minute recap, man. What happened after, uh, we got off that call? Yeah, no. Yeah. Thanks for having us too, Justin. Um, literally that day, if you guys go back and listen to that podcast, um, we, I had, we had gotten in a little bit late with my, um, with my uncle who was from, he was like a 65 year old city guy that i dragged out there elk hunting and we got to our spot late so we literally hiked up the whole mountain we actually humped, humped it like six hours straight to get up because i needed service to do it because we did it live kind of where i was up on the mountain and literally during the podcast and me and me talking about prep and things i wish i would have done uh we had a elk bugle like I don't know, probably six to 800 yards away from us. And um, so that kind of ended the podcast. They let me off the podcast, but I'll finish up with, we ended up getting on that elk and chasing him. And I say chasing him because we did it all wrong and chased him up the mountain and up over the mountain that day. Cause he was above us and the thermals were rising. So we couldn't get, on equal ground with him we kept trying to move right or left on the mountain and he would be just keep falling straight above us and we never ended up getting him but what we did find is we we had a great next 10 days never saw another elk but up on top of that mountain somebody had left us two coors lights in a stream <laughs> it was wow. the craziest thing <laughs> we get to the top of the mountain and there's this ice cold stream like two feet wide and there's like two banquet coors sitting there I was like, this is crazy. We didn't touch him because we made a rule that if we shot an elk, then we'd come back and drink him. Oh, so we yeah. left a note, don't drink unless you shoot an elk. Nice. Um, so we left them for the next guys. But yeah, I mean, we ended up hiking over 50 miles that week. I don't even know how much in elevation. Um, but figured out a couple other things that I'm going to talk about on this cast that make the trip more fun. Um trout fishing man we got burnt out out there and we're like what are we gonna do and we had some fishing poles we went trout fishing and it was crazy fun so i'll talk about that a little bit but yeah i mean that trip ended up with no elk but it was probably one of the best trips i've ever been on um and uh it was super exciting we ended up finding two elk that somebody had um shot and didn't find um and i didn't know you could take the antlers but you can so oh. just so you guys know um, nice, nice. What, find, what, I'm sorry, what state was this? I think you said it. I, it's Colorado. It's Colorado. And you got to take a picture of the dead animal and then you can take the antlers. Okay, that makes sense. Well, that's nice to know. I didn't know that. So um, we should have done that because there was some monster 
help be found. Um, and another thing I learned out there is just when we were out there, we just met amazing people. Like they're all just us guys. They're just normal guys out there trying to do the best they can. They were helpful. They try to help you find elk, try to help you find water. You know, a lot of times it's dry out there and there's only a few spots where there's good water. Um, yeah, it was just an amazing experience. And, and now I'm dragging Dusty out to it. Nice. That's awesome. Dusty, are you pretty excited? Oh, I'm stoked. Super excited. You know, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because we, we see all the negativity and, and the bad stuff online where they're like, oh, there's everyone and, you know, screw the hunting public, screw meat eater, you know, there's, uh, our, you know, there's hundreds of people running out here. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, for anyone that's actually been out there, um, there are certain spots that, you know, it's, it's you know, you might see a, a little bit more excess of people for whatever odd reason. Um, but, you know, I've been... I've been many a places, and I tell you what, it's rare that I run into people, and when I do, it's just like you said. Everyone's willing to help you. You know, you chat, whether you exchange information or not, you know, and and just everyone's willing. You know, it's what hunting's about, you know, culture, camaraderie. Like, I feel like when the way we see social media and stuff now, it's, it's almost like, and this ain't a social media bad session, so we won't even get into it, but... It's just, you know, you don't see a lot of that. So I think it deters a lot of people from wanting to explore. Like, you know, Dusty, for example, you know, he's going out there. But, you know, it, it can be intimidating, you know, when you see all that. Because you're like, well, I don't want to take a week off from work and spend thousands of dollars to be hunting over top of X amount of people. And then you actually do it. And you're like, wow, this is. And like you said, my favorite hunts are hunts where we didn't get anything. Uh, we always take fishing poles when we go somewhere, anywhere I go. Because sometimes you get burnt out and you just need to do a little reset, you know? Yeah, and when you're out, you know, we're 85 miles off of a, you know, paved road. Yeah, you get out there, it's kind of weird. You find three or four rigs or whatever when you're elk hunting. But you got to remember, man, you're hunting land that mm -hmm. most of us never even imagined seeing. Especially, you know, here, you know, a big acreage would be 400 acres or something of public land or maybe maybe a couple square miles. But you're hunting hundreds of square miles of land. So it's kind of up to you if you want to be by people or not. But yeah, like you said, I mean, the trout fishing is stupid. It's phenomenal. Like yeah. for me, for me, it's phenomenal. And I'm from the Midwest, so we don't have a ton of trout fishing streams. But I mean, these fish probably seen like two lures in their lives. Maybe, you know, it, right. like you're, you're out there, the streams there, you know, it's like, I, I never thought it was going to be as great. It's like an outdoor life magazine. I always tell people, man, you're sitting there. The, 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 you know, the butterflies are flying and the trout are eating them and you're catching fish and, you know, you can actually use a fly rod because a lot of times you're not brush around you because it's going meandering down a, you know, a meadow. So, um, yeah, I, I know Dusty's stoked about trout fishing. He's got, he's actually bringing me a fly rod. Nice. So that's awesome guys. So Dusty, you do a, you do a good bit of fly fishing. Uh, I try to. I I do enjoy it. It's just hard to to get out and and do it. Mostly for like crappies and bluegills around the lakes around by us. But yeah. Well, this is going to be a great experience because it's you know it's like bow hunting and a lot of other stuff, man. Once you once you experience it, fly fishing out there, it's you know you you start planning those trips out there. I I tell you what, I uh, 
I will plan a fly fishing trip out west before I plan a hunting trip. That's just me personally. I fly fish also. I go up north often in Florida. You can fly fish, but I don't really mess with it here. It's it's mainly up north because I enjoy those streams and and like you said, the the bugs on the water, the you know the serene uh, landscape, you know all that all that kind of plays into the whole experience. It's incredible how just seeing all the aspens on the mountain is yellow. You know, I don't, if whoever's seen it will know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like glowing around you. It, uh, it's the most amazing experience watching the mountains turn yellow. I mean, I'm in northern Wisconsin. We get all the leaf colors and red and yellow and orange. But, man, when all the trees are yellow at the same time, it's it's intense. And, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about it until – I just hope that during this podcast, people think about going out there. Like you just said, you don't have to go and spend an $850 on an elk tag. Right. Just go out there and go trout fishing. And you can trout fish, you know, all your, you know, I don't know the rules, but I know you can get out there in July and do it, you know. Um, and that's going to be some of the stuff we're going to cover is, you know, some of the stuff about Colorado is intimidating, but the weather is the one of the awesomest things about it, right? Because, like, we have no, there's no bugs out there. There's no bugs. And the coldest it's going to be is maybe 40 degrees when we're there in September, uh, the early part of September. And the, and the hottest is going to be is like 72, 75. So it's it's not like you need a lot of these elk trips and these trips. They got stoves and they got big canvas tents. And granted, we have a bigger tent, but I bought it off of, I bought it off of Facebook, you know, 10 years ago for 600 bucks. And Dusty and I patched it up couple weeks ago you know it because it doesn't rain you're basically using it to keep the dew off of you right and then we sleep we're gonna sleep on the mountain and a lot of people think you need these expensive backpacking tents last time i was out there i slept under a blue tarp yeah you can you know i have a cheapo uh um just uh it's like a bass i think it was bass pro or cabela's i'm not sure which one but it was cheap i mean i did not spend and it goes right in my bag, and I I haven't had an issue. Now, if I go to Canada or Alaska, sure, I might get something a little different. Yeah, hundred um, percent. But for the states, it's I've been fine. I've it's went down to I think 30, 35, and I was fine. And I'm from Florida, so if I'm fine, everyone else is gonna be fine. <laughs> well, I think what people forget too, on I purposely go to the south, but you can go to the North Colorado. There's just not a lot of precipitation that time of year. That's right. Like in, in northern Wisconsin, it's it's raining right now. It's constantly raining because it gets hot, cold, hot, cold because of, the you know, the Great Lakes and stuff here. But or Oregon, Oregon, it's raining a lot or whatever. But there it's it's arid. So I never thought about all that. So in the beginning, I was like, well, what are we going to do for tents? It's going to add weight to the backpack. It's going to do all this stuff. And once you're out there, you realize, like, I mean, last time I went out there, I bought totes, totes of like winter gear i bought totes of rain gear so you know it's you don't that that's one of the things is like how do you afford all the gear basically you need a couple things more than you have when you whitetail hunt or do anything else i suggest trekking poles that is a big thing obviously you need a backpack if you're if you're going to do bivy hunting where you go out a couple days out on the mountain you don't necessarily need to do that um you know, you're going to need a little cook stove, a backpacking cook stove. You can buy those for 20, 30 bucks. The cheaper ones, yes, you can get the expensive ones. But that, again, like you said, you bought a Bass Pro tent. Well, that's perfectly fine, right? 
I mean, you're going to get into these, you're going to watch online. You're going to see a lot of these big, you know, famous people that are elk hunting on YouTube and they're going to have the best of the best gear. But remember that they're pretty much sponsored, right? So they can afford titanium, you know, coffee cups and stuff like that. Right. You don't, you don't like Dusty and I, I, he, like we went through his pack the other day and I threw out maybe a quarter of it. Like, you're not going to need that. 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 Like you don't, you don't, you don't need what you think. You think, you know, you're going on like this Alaskan 30 day walk through the the woods. You know, like I was saying to him, the most time you're going to spend on the mountain away from base camp is probably three days because you can't carry that much water. And, uh, and food, it gets heavy, and you might not find water. You know, you can't on three liters of water, and you fill your Nalgene's up. You can only go so far away from water before you need it, because you're going to use a cup and a half per meal if you're doing dehydrated meals, and you got to drink. For sure. So yeah, no, for sure. It's just my first time was uh, an eye opener too. And as soon as I got out there, I'm like, I don't need any of this. <laughs> I don't yeah. need any of this. I had. So much crazy stuff, and Brian Halchek, he's he backpacks all the time. He's like, dude, why you got all this stuff? And I'm like, well, I just assumed, you know, like change your underwear every day, change your socks every day, pair of pants. Man, it came to the point where now I take I take uh, one pair of clothes, and you know I'll have underclothes and stuff, but I yep. bring one pair of main clothes. And I thought that was the craziest thing when he told me. I'm like, man, what if it rains and I get soaked? I'm not trying to be out there. And he's like, I'm telling you, man. He's like, if you got rain gear, he's like, you only need one pair of clothes. And he goes out to Colorado, New Mexico, Wyoming, backpacking all the time. He usually don't get a return flight until he gets his, his tag a lot of the times. Um, he has a ton of vacation time tacked up. But uh, first time he told me that, and now it's like a whole difference. I'm like, wow, I got to get a smaller pack. You know, I have more enjoyable experiences because I'm not carrying 60, 65 pounds in, <laughs> you know. Well, and a lot of the stuff too is on our app, right? We get fifty percent off Badlands. I mean, I'm I'm head to toe in Badlands, but I was actually a pro for them before joining this. But either way, fifty percent off Badlands is is a sweet deal. Plus, I told Dusty, darn tough socks. Like I bring five pairs of socks because I switch out at noon every day. Because yeah. sweaty, wet socks end up being a problem. That, that can be um, true. yeah, the socks. I do, I bring so, extra socks and then um, uh, mole skin. Yeah, I, yep, I do that. And then I do bring three pairs of underwear on a hike, but again, I switch them out during the day and I wash them in a stream if I get them. Okay. And I bring the Merino wool Badlands ones or the August ones from Badlands that are super drying, you know, like friendly. And I, they're just hanging from my backpack, man. When I see strangers out there, there's socks and underwear hanging from my backpack as I hike because they're drying out. And you know, that's that. And you're right. One, I told Dusty's like, "What do I bring for pants?" I'm like, "You need one pair of pants, yep, you, <laughs> and you maybe some pants. one." Pair of pants. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna jump right into it. We're gonna we're gonna segue into you know how you guys got this kind of set up and, and how you're going about setting it up. But before we do, Dusty, last time on the last episode we did with Blaze, we, we always do an intro to, to kind of get to know you um, a little bit and, you know, how you got into hunting. So um, we'd love to know, how did you uh, specifically get into hunting? 
Yeah, sure. So I grew up on a small dairy farm like a lot of us in northern Wisconsin, uh, youngest of five boys. So my dad had a fair amount of land to hunt and just watching my older brothers, you know, being the youngest, watching them going out and hunting and uh, doing all that stuff during deer season and, you know, just super excited. And then when I was finally old enough, uh, you know, them taking me out and walk me out of course when you're the youngest you kind of get the the last pick of stands you know you gotta <laughs> they're gonna put you in uh whatever they got so taking taking me out and and uh climbing me up in the stand and waiting until they come back and get me i just caught the bug caught the bug early on when i was a kid and uh just been continuing on that hunting whitetails and uh partridge and trapping and and fishing with with mainly with my brothers older brothers were uh a big influence on on me and developing that that hunger to hunt so awesome man that that's great and i I remember last time we talked i know it's been a little bit but you said one of your brothers moved to texas recently yeah so one of my brothers yeah he moved down to the austin texas area um another one just kind of moved moved over by more over by minnesota but so there's there's a few of us still in the local area that uh to go that we can go and hunt and camp with and uh, do a plant hunting trips and stuff like that but we already got it i already got plans with my my brother that moved to texas to go out there and do some mule deer hunting and hunt some hogs and stuff like that so i'm excited for that yeah, I mean, having a hookup in Texas is, to anyone that knows how Texas, Texas is, Texas is, is uh, there's not a lot of public land. It's a lot of, lot of uh, private, and from what I hear, it's, it's really hard to get to certain spots. So having an inside person there um, that's able to network and create relationships, or kind of just like we had mentioned before we started this podcast, no one knows more than a local, and he's becoming a local now. So Yeah. So, fellas, yeah, so how uh, how did this go about? How did you guys kind of like plan this hunt? Like, because I know you're both real busy. You know, you got lives, families. You know, going out west. We had talked about this before. Could possibly be intimidating with with everything that's kind of involved. How did you guys kind of uh, get this in the works here for this upcoming trip? You want me to start, Dusty? Yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah, no. So, like. On that first trip where I was on that podcast, I ended up taking my uncle from Texas. And um, I, I had asked Dusty, but he just couldn't pull it off. He had just started a new business, uh, screen printing and embroidery business, and just didn't have the funds. And we didn't really plan. I kind of dropped it on him. So literally, I think um, that was two years ago because after I got back from that trip, I literally fell out of a tree. But So I didn't hunt elk last year. But um, so he's had two years to kind of, I've been prepping them. I've been, you know, I send them pictures or I send them little videos of elk bugling or trout fishing. And I finally got them to commit. I think maybe last fall when I was recovering and um, he just started nipping. He got part of service side was a big step because then he got all the discounts. Um, so we started buying some clothing here and some, and I had some stuff that I could, I could barter with him. And so he just started accumulating his gear and um, he just committed to it and he started saving his money and, and um, you know, I don't want to speak for him, but 
and so I always do this trip. I plan on this trip and, you know, he was the one that committed. And so, you know, I would have taken other, um, maybe one more person, but once you get two or three, four people out there, it's, you know, then it's, it's almost too much. So two to three people is what I was looking for. And he committed. Is that how it played out, Dustin? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I, you know, been wanting to do this with blaze for a long time and like he had mentioned the last time he went out it just didn't quite work out but been taking small steps ever since then to to uh build up to this and like he had mentioned joining service side was a huge part of that because being able to uh, you know that discount with badlands man that saved me so much money and being able to get good quality gear for out there just super excited to be out there and, and be using that but a lot of it it's not it's not like just stuff i'm going to use for out there i'll use this gear or, you know back by where i'm at hunting too so and uh you know just the building of vacation i work uh not only do i have my business but i work on the weekend so I, my work schedule is friday saturday and sunday but then that allows me to have monday through thursday off so that helps Oh, we're you know just had to yeah that's <laughs> yeah. really great run but then i only weekends too so i get it <laughs> yeah so i just i've been saving my vacation been pretty stingy about taking off here for a good year so i had a good amount amassed so i only had to take two weekends off of work which would six days and i've got a ton of time off like a half a month off now so Man, that planning, I'm, I'm telling you, fellas, we can't stress this enough. Like, I've, I've had fun trips on the fly. I've had fun trips on the fly. I'm not saying that not planning a trip and kind of just doing it isn't going to be fun. Um, I actually have a last-minute thing I'm doing for Labor Day weekend with some, some guys that are near me. It's just when you plan and you get ahead and you, you know, stinge the vacation time, you know, compromise with the, the wife, you work out child care or whatever the case may be for that it just it just then you can focus on hunting and preparing for the hunt not the million other things you got going on and i find too like just the buildup of you know you have that goal at the end it makes the time from when you commit to when you do it more enjoyable like you're like man i'm at work here but i'm i'm doing this so i can go elk hunting you know it kind of builds that dream and gives you like a reason while you're going through, you know, adversity with anything from family stuff to work stuff, you're like, it's okay because I'm going elk hunting, you know, or, <laughs> yep. Hmm. Yep. you know, I, that's just how I look at it. And plus it gives you plenty of time to, you know, get on YouTube and, and look and watch things and just keep anticipation right now. I don't know about Dusty is getting crazy. Like I know Dusty is a little bit like, I think he was shaking the last time we were here pack teaching him how to pack his backpack because he's just so stoked to do it you know i'm on fire man yeah dude and you know what (laughs) and and dusty i I tell everyone like especially with these first time experiences, i know you've probably done multiple first time experiences but man when you just when you've prepared and you're out there it's just like it just it makes it all worth it like you forget all those long days you forget those bad days and i mean it's just you know i tell people anytime they go out on a hunt link or an adventure or whatever like enjoy every second of it even the even the bad stuff because you know you're you're for one you're not at work and you know this is like your time you know this is y'all's time this is you're, you're doing something that's been been happening for a millennial 
Like, that's just an exciting thought right there. And like uh, Blaze had mentioned before, you're probably coming across animals or wildlife that possibly has never even seen a person or smelled a human or is aware of what's going on. It, it happens. You know, not every piece of land has been, been walked through at that particular moment where the wildlife's been there. Um, you know, and that's always an exciting thing, too, because you can usually tell, too, when they're, when they're curious and they don't know what's going on if they do spot you or, or win you. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough, definitely a different experience than, you know, whitetail up here has seen a million people, right? Yeah, and then right. you get out there. And you expect an animal to act one way, but they're they're more curious sometimes than they are like scared because they're like, "What the heck is that?" Yeah, especially when you get the ones that like you know that really haven't experienced people. Um, so, I know you guys kind of started a little bit talking about like getting prepared and the and the, a little bit in the misconceptions of gear. What are some other misconceptions or maybe challenges uh, you faced, Blaze? When I know you've done it before. Um, this is Dusty's first time, but what are some kind of misconceptions that maybe you see, uh, we'll call it in the hunting space, that, that you know, you've already kind of experienced or overcome? Well, I think people, the number one thing is people think it's crazy expensive to go out west. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost expensive to do anything these days. I would say the main cost is the gas to get out there or the flight to get out there, right? Um, the just so I, just so we explain kind of how it's going to go for us. The first week we're going out there, we're spot. I'm taking my eight-year-old with me, and um, we're trout fishing and we're scouting, because the elk, the elk in the first week they don't bugle a ton, and I just find that second week is is on fire. And the first week it's just a struggle. So um, I mean, obviously if we see an elk, we're going to shoot it. But generally we go out there, we get acclimated to the, the altitude. And um, scout and then trout fish. And then um, what, what? getting back to that is a misconception is that's something you can do. You don't have to go out there and just push yourself like you watch on YouTube nonstop. I did that. I've done that. And it, you know, it just wears you out and it's, you're not, you're not enjoying the journey at all. Um, I literally take my eight year old just to slow me down. Because when you get out there, all you want to do is go, 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 go. And you realize that out west, it's a lot slower. Like, to get to that two-mile mark takes you half a day instead of, you know, an hour like it would on a flat ground, right? So one of the biggest misconceptions I find is it's super expensive. It's not really. It's the gas to get out there. It's an $85 fishing tag if you just or fishing license if you just want to fish. And then if you link up like Dusty did with me, but we're going to split the meat, um, I'm, I'm buying the tag. It's 800 and some dollars. Yeah, that's expensive. Um, but you are going to get a significant amount of meat, three to 400 pounds probably. Um, but you got a, a journey, right? I mean, I'm booking a Disney trip right now with the kids, and it's way more than this elk hunting trip. And it's for a week, and this is for almost three weeks. So it's not as expensive as people think, and you're not paying to stay. Remember, you're not paying to stay when you eat out, when you go out there. You're basically going to drive off the beaten path, and you're going to you're going to see where people have, you know, had camps before, and you just stay at them. You don't you don't pay um, to stay there, so you're not paying for housing while you're out there. And you're gonna yes, you buy the food ahead of time when you go out there, dehydrated meals or whatever you're going to do, but you're not spending any more than you would in a normal day eating if you were home. 
You know, you're going to go to Subway or you're going to, you know, you're going to go to Jimmy John's or whatever you do during the week. You're probably going to spend $15 a day eating because you got to buy the dehydrated meals or whatever. Dusty actually makes his own, which is crazy. Um, yeah, I make, I make my own too. Uh, was intimidating. And Dusty, we'll touch on this too, but uh, I started making mine. And what had happened was we, we didn't want to spend that kind of money. And really the packaging is kind of cumbersome too and most of them so and i don't you know i was in the military so you know i'm not trying to eat no mres um you know I no 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 you know you know i get it they'll keep me alive but you know i'm not trying to deal with that and uh, i started making mine and i tell you what i can put about 10 days worth of food in a cargo pocket the way i have it designed now and uh it was it was downloading a free cookbook it was a hiking hippie slash backpacking cookbook and it's free and i downloaded it off the internet um it's got everything i've had shrimp and rice uh, biscuits and gravy with eggs in them i mean you name it I, I ate like a king at camp and everyone's like oh where'd you get those and i'm like well i cook dinner we take dinner and we put it in the dehydrator and then you have to you know the hardest part's knowing the water measurements that's kind of the hardest part but you get that over time uh, it definitely saves a ton of money and time for sure. Yeah, go ahead, Dusty. Tell me. Yeah, yeah, Dusty, yeah absolutely. I, I, I uh, we have our own freeze dryer. We we do a lot of uh, uh, food storage and stuff like that from gardens and things like that. So I've been freeze drying meals. I figured that man, I'm just making meals that I love to eat year and freeze drying them and. I mean, we got chickens and stuff like that. So I make eggs and uh, sausage and stuff like that and freeze dry it. And it's not that big of an expense. It's just food that we already have here. And the, the freeze dryer itself is, is a bit, you know, to, to have. But we already had that just to, for our normal food uh, storage that we do. But, uh, yeah, I'm... I probably, if you had asked Blaze, he's seen my food uh, contents. He probably thinks <laughs> I'm getting a little excessive on the stuff that I'm bringing, but uh, it's going to taste really good. That's, that's for sure. Worth it, but, hey, I tell you what, when I bring extra weight or I have extra stuff, it's food. It's going to be food. Yeah. The food you don't have to bring back. <laughs> right. You can, you can eat the food, and then that last night, we always do a feast. And we're like, all right, guys, we know we're leaving tomorrow. Let's pig out. Um, I'm a big eater too when I'm in the field. I don't like doing the fasting. When I'm at home, sure, I'll eat less and try to get ready and get my weight down. But when I'm out there, I gotta eat. I just I'm like a one of those old trucks, man. I just burn too much gas. I gotta I gotta be eating. Dusty, we I've been friends with Dusty for about ten, fifteen years, and we've traveled some places together. The man eats. Right. So I'm not even not like me. I'm the opposite of you two. Like I, I'm a fat, I look like a fat logger type body. Um, and Grant, I agree with you on the military thing. The only thing I'm eating in an MRE is that blueberry cobbler. Yeah. The only I'll, one I'll I'm eating. With that. Yeah. yeah. But I'm not eating any other MRE period. I've ate hundreds of them, thousands of them not doing that. But um, I buy the freeze dried meals because I'm guessing I'm either lazy or too busy. Um, but I'm making a ton of sausage for us and jerky right now because I, I own a smokehouse, so we got the big smoker. So oh, nice. I'm I just did 42 pounds of jerky, oh, but 
the other thing I do with that is I trade out there. Like when you when you come up to a group, you're like, here, here's a bag of sausage or a bag of beef jerky. And not that you'd have to do that, but it kind of reminds me of like Indians and pilgrims or whatever, man. When you're out there, you kind of think they're your enemy because not enemy, but your competition. No, I get it. But yeah. man, if if you loosen it up with a bag of beef sticks or uh, some cheese from Wisconsin, there it's dynamite. It's like gold out there. And so, you know, that's another thing to think about. But you guys are right. I mean, like, I think my meals, well, they come up to 15 bucks. I just figured it out the other day. So that's I had to true. buy, you know, I had to buy 25 of them, no, maybe 40 of them. But I probably would have spent that much money at going, going somewhere or whatever anyway. Um, yeah. No, I don't think the... I don't think the money part of it, and, and Dusty, correct me if I'm wrong, because I know you do it too. I, I have a garden, and, and we do a lot of dehydrating and things like that. But, you know, I don't think the money part is crazy astronomical in the difference. It's really that time. I mean, just like processing an animal. You know, I've never taken uh, an animal to a processor, but I have friends that do it. And they're like, yeah, I drop it off. They call me in a day or two. I get it. And I'm thinking, like, I just spent six hours working up. You know, all this meat because I'm making sausage, I'm making burgers, I'm making meat, putting meatloafs together. I'm doing all this different stuff for dinners, you know. For, for my girl to pull it out of the freezer, it needs to look like uh, like it's kind of going to look when it's cooked. You know, she don't she don't want a leg or, you know, something in there. She wants it kind of like, so I prepare it in that in that aspect. And uh, it does, it, t- it takes time. And, um, you know, if you don't have the time or, or you know, in the measurements, there's going to be times where you're going to mess stuff up. I've messed up plenty of food by putting too not enough water or too much water or um, not mixing like eggs. You you know I didn't know this, but you have to mix pimento with it. That's at least that's what I do, um, and it makes them fluff up when you when you uh, put the water in. It. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, it's um, pimento. It, you can buy it at the store. It's called pimento. I'm pretty sure it's pimento. I don't think I'm mistaken on that but yeah you put it with the eggs and it makes some ni- nice fluff up scrambled eggs for you nice yeah i each batch of uh food that i freeze right i kind of take a small amount of it and just do a sample run and make sure it's edible before i <laughs> pack it up take it out on the mountain but uh yeah i'm sure i'm sure i'm gonna make a lot of mistakes but i'm i i pretty much eat anything so i'll, I'll must i'll tough through it while i'm out there but this is gonna be a good time oh, uh, i'm excited for you i can't wait to hear all about it once you guys do it and get back and stuff but um I so I, I would just, there. yeah, yeah uh, I would just off. say, if you, I just, Dusty can correct me, but if if you don't count like the stuff that you're going to use for, you would have for whitetail hunting anyway, and since Dusty's not, um, doesn't have to buy the tag, right? He's just helping out with gas, which helps me, helps him. Um, he's got to buy a, a trout stamp. He he bought some Kenetrek boots, but he could wear those anytime. Um, you know, he's borrowing a backpack. We all, all of us that have done this have multiple backpacks, by the way. So find someone that's going and I have, I showed Dusty, I must have three or four extra ones he could have used. Um, I think you probably have what, maybe a thousand dollars invested into this Dusty. Yeah, maybe. And like you said, but a lot of that is stuff that I'm going to utilize here on my own hunting trips. Right. And from um, scratch, it sounds. I mean, you started from the bottom, like you literally yeah, had that, to like build up your your uh, equipment there. Yeah, 
Yeah, I he had really nothing. He he's got now he's got binoculars, bino harness. Oh, yeah. He's got all the gear, all Badlands gear, darn tough socks, Kenetrek boots. Um, he's set now, and he's set for whitetail hunting too. Um, but you know, I honestly, for me, it's going to cost me a probably because I had all that gear already. It's probably going to be about fifteen hundred dollars, and that's including my elk license. I mean, where can you go on a trip for? 15 to 18 to 20 days for $1,500. Yeah. That, that, and that's the thing, you know, like you mentioned, getting together with other people, especially people, it, you didn't meet Dusty yesterday. You know, you guys have known no. each other for 10, 15 years. And that's the key to it is, is cause you know what? I've got friends. I've got some great friends would, would, would give them the shirt off my back. But I probably won't take them hunting with me on a 15 day trip. You know, the great people, but it, you know, you also have to make sure it's somebody that you mesh with someone that is obviously motivated, intrigued, um, you know, they're, you know, even though you don't know everything, they're willing to take your criticism or, um, you know, uh, I guess insight or advice and they're willing to take it and kind of mold it into their own. Um, you know, when you have all that, that's what makes successful trips and they just make them a lot easier splitting gas. You know, you got two brains to figure it out instead of one, you know, Dusty may not know exactly what's going on with that type of hunting but he has common sense he's a hunter and you guys are able to kind of put your perspectives together and and you know tackle the mountain you know 100 percent. It, it it makes it so much easier if you can have you know two guys or three three guys because we're also going to we never mentioned this we're going to we're going to video the whole trip because i I do a production company. I have a small production company. So I'm also videoing the whole trip. So if you had three guys, it would have been perfect. Two guys is going to be fine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's, so I just wanted to, the expense thing is the big thing with people. They're always like, oh, that's so expensive. I could never do it. Uh, I, I just don't see that anymore. You know, I, I, I believe me, in the beginning, I thought so. And if you slowly build up the gear, it's really nothing. Right. And I tell you what, let's do there's there's 52 weeks in a year. So let's just say most people get paid biweekly. Um, you know, that's 26. You said 1500 bucks divided by 26. That's literally $57 a check if you hunt biweek if you get paid biweekly. $57 out of each check to pay for a $1500 trip. Yeah, exactly. And believe me, the trip is is worth it i like when i brought my uncle out there from new york or from texas we got to the mountain he cried probably three different times telling me how beautiful and what an experience it is believe me and i've prepped i've prepped dusty it's going to be hard you're going to sweat in places you don't want to ever sweat again you're going to have blisters where you didn't want to have a blister you're you're going to be hungry tired frustrated everything but it's worth it like it's, I don't know how to explain it, but it's worth it. If anyone's ever done a triathlon or a small race or, or won a football game, it's that feeling times a hundred. Right. No, you're, you're right. And, and I mean, uh, and, and I think that's what we see a lot. We're all, you know, if someone listening to this podcast right now is like, oh, that sounds so great. And, and you know, adventures and I get to eat this food and, and all this stuff. Well, you get to do all that, but honestly i enjoy it a lot more when i get home and i'm sitting down and i'm relaxing and i'm like 
okay, and then I kind of like close my eyes and you're reminiscing on what happened, or at night when you're laying down, you reminisce on what's happened. But yeah, it, it, I don't think, I don't think, I mean, I could be wrong on this, but I don't think I've ever had like a really amazing hunting trip and it wasn't miserable in some form or fashion. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I agree. Especially I agree. when you guys get wanted, you got to get it out of there. <laughs> well, yeah, he keeps talking about that. He's like, well, make sure we have sharp knives. I'm like, Dusty, that's the other thing I want people to realize. When we're doing, we're doing the over-the-counter hunt. Um, We're doing an over-the-counter hunt. So, you know, the likelihood of us getting elk is under 20%. It's probably more like 10%. But you go in with that expectation we're going to see elk. We're going to hunt elk. But to get the whole pro- process that you watch on YouTube, that's not likely. It's not likely. No matter how good you are, it's not likely. You can look at the stats. And I was going to mention that. Like, I use Go Hunt to find the spots and pick the units and all that. It's 10%, guys, on an over-the-counter hunt. And, and that's okay. That's okay to me. No, yeah, I definitely get it. And, you know, I, I did the same thing, Dusty. I, you know, before my first backpack, like, out of, out, you know, out in the bush kind of hunt, I'm like, I need a sharp knife because it's going to make it more efficient. And, and I need this and I need that. And then, you know, the, obviously the percentage is low, but, you you know, you still want to be prepared for, for when it does happen. But, yeah, it's getting it out of there is, uh, especially if, you know, luckily there's two of y'all, but I talked to so many people that, that they don't have someone to help or maybe someone can't carry as much as them and they're having to get back to the vehicle and then take that, that trip back in there. That's what, that would probably be the hardest turnaround is not being able to get it all out in one trip because it's, you know, a monster. And, um, you know, cause think about it, the head alone on an elk, especially if you want to mount it, like that's super heavy if you don't tape it out in the field. So even if you tape it out in the field, it's still heavy. Um, so, you, you know, being able to do that, I think that's something we talked about in a meetup we had, not last night, but the night before, uh, Eric's in Idaho, and he's like, man, I'm telling you, the number one thing he sees is when it's time to get it out of there, a lot of people aren't prepared for that part of it. Well, you know, that's true, and I, I, I agree, we have the meat bags and the knives, but when, because I've handed out cheese curds from Wisconsin like it's my job, when we get back to base camp, there's always like another two or three camps around there, and you tell them you shot one, it's like deer camp, man. They're like, they're like, let's go get it. You know, I've never like we went and helped a guy when we were out there backpack one out and help him cut it up and everything. I think if you if you know, and I could be completely wrong, no, I might have got lucky. That way, I I can see that. I, I wasn't even thinking of the getting back to base camp. Yeah, when you go, you say you you take the antlers last, right? And so, you know, you come back, you have like, you throw in whatever you can because you already have your bivy pack out there. So you're already heavy. So you can't carry that much meat on your first trip back. But as soon as you get back, the guys are going to see you with that meat on the back and they come right to your camp. And they're like, how do we help you? Do you got ice? Do you have a cooler? Where are we putting it in the river? You know, that's the experience I had. And, but I didn't shoot it, you know, 
But then, and then they're like, when can we go back? And they're like, everyone's getting their headlamps. And it's like the craziest fun experience. You got eight guys all trying to help you do this. Dude, I love, and, I love to hear that, man. That's a, that's a win for hunting right there in, in my book. That's a, that's, that's what it's about. Like camaraderie and culture. Like it can't, it's, you know, you can have your personal goals and all this other stuff and be a solo hunter. I mean, I do plenty of solo hunts, but that, that willingness to, to jump up and, and help someone and be be happy for them. It's I mean if they weren't happy they'd say, they wouldn't come to help. <laughs> You're gonna, they're gonna sit oh. in their tent all smug and and uh, what do they call it pouting? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. When they, when we saw the guy walking, we wanted to see it. We wanted to see the process and he and it was an older guy and his son and we're like, what can we do? And they're like, well, we gotta get back and we gotta get back. We don't want it to rot and you know. I'm like, well, I know how to do it all. I'll help you. And my uncle grabbed his headlamps. We all went out there and we spent the whole night cutting it up in the dark and we all hauled it back. And it was, it was great. And that guy's called me. He's called me the last two years when I fell out of a tree. He called me. He actually sent me a bunch of elk jerky and sticks. And then this year he's already going to go out there a week early and he's going to be scouting the area. And he's like, we're going to, I'm going to get you on elk blaze and you know, that's just, and it keeps building. One of the things I thought about when I started this whole thing was my dad never went out West, never went out West duck hunting, never went out West elk hunting. I wanted to start this process to build the networking like you're talking about so that when I introduce my kids to it, they always know there's, they got that friend in Idaho or they got that friend in Montana, the friend in Colorado, and they, they meet that friend's kids. And so they always have like what you guys have built with Serviceide hunt links but it was like the organic way, right? you know, everyone's always intimidated to go out West because they don't know anyone. They don't know the process. We have to keep that process going and keep pushing and keep going out there so our kids can experience it. Oh, for sure. man. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, it's, it's something that you're not seeing a ton of YouTube videos on it. You're not seeing a, you know, hearing a ton of podcasts on it. You're not seeing a bunch of content you know, on that type of stuff. And it's the most important thing. Like, you know, we, Eric and me did a podcast not too long ago. And one thing he said with me, it always resonates in my mind is I was telling him the issue we have with bear hunting here in Florida, how we can't do it. And he's like, when something like that happens, every single hunter in every single state should be known, you know, should know about it and should be doing what they can for awareness or support or whatever. Um, and, and that's how it should be because at the end of the day, like we think there's a lot of us, but there's more of the enemy. Well, we say enemy, but that's a negative connotation. There's more of the other side than there is of us, more non-hunters and more people in the middle. The people in the middle are, in my opinion, they're the ones that sway a lot of things. Um, and you being able to, like you said, someone goes out west and you're willing to help them pack that elk out or hurry up and help them get that meat. And then you said he had a, a, a kid with him. His kid just experienced that or his son or, you know, maybe a yeah. friend like Dusty that it's their first time going out there. And then, and then it's a snowball effect. It's literally a sickness that spreads. It's okay. Now when he goes out, he's going to help someone and, and then they're going to help someone. And it's just a pay, pay it forward type situation. 100%. And he, and the whole time he's explaining to me, he's been doing this for 25 years in the same ravine. And he's like, this is the call I use in the early season. We just do mutes of 
you know, cow elk because we we found that if we bugle in the early week, it pushes the elk out of the ravine and they come in quiet. And, you know, that's how you learn. Like, I'm yes. an experienced hunter. But I have no idea what I'm doing. I go out there like a complete – I'm an idiot anyway, but I go out there like a complete idiot. And I tell people I'm basically, you know, I'll survive out here, but without your guys' information, it's going to be a struggle to kill something. Right. Um, and so – I, that's the one main reason I want to do this podcast with you was to tell people it's not intimidating. The people out there are great. You get on Facebook, social media, and it's like they hate us from out west. They don't. There's right. a couple people on those things that constantly bash the the people that come in there and hunt, but the non-locals. But in general, when you get out there, it's all people like us. It's like a brotherhood, sisterhood. They all want to take care of you. When they're when they're driving out, they're like, "Hey, we just had a bugle yesterday over here, and we chased them over here." They're telling you how to, what to do, because they're, they're they're leaving too, you know. They're they're giving you their firewood or whatever it may be, giving you their last peak meal, you know. I just want people to know that it's it's not as hard as people think, and if and every year there's it seems like there's more people, but there's less. Right. The baby boomers are all retiring. They're getting too old to do it. And our generation has way less people. And if we don't get more people to do it, we're going to lose more hunting rights and more hunting land and more everything. Because all these old timers that have been fighting for us forever, unfortunately, they're passing away. Right. You know, you're right, man. It, and you know what? We don't you don't see a lot of awareness on that. There's the stuff that a lot of people don't know about. And, you know, I I. I don't fear for hunting as much as what I did probably about five or so years ago, but there was a time where I'm like, man, if we don't get this culture back and we don't get that hunt camp vibe and, you know, that's one thing where I, you know, that I love here at service site is that we have all that, but, you know, we're not, you know, we're not a huge company. We've been around for a decade, you know, we have a thousand members, but we're not, that's not life changing or anything. So um, you know, I know every bit helps, but it's it's definitely something that that people should be mindful of of you know creating that real culture. And and one thing I've always heard is when you do hear something negative, a lot of the times I've I've noticed because I see it every day. Either the person has no idea what they're talking about, so it's lack of education, it's lack of experience, they've never even done it. You know, there's people out west crap talking and probably never even been out west. You know, they're, they're talking about it and have never even set foot or shot an elk with a bow or a gun or whatever. Um, you see that or it's the, um, uh, the, the like jealousy aspect. I look at it. I mean, that's the simplified way of putting it as, you know, they are not getting to experience that. So they're lashing out and we just live in a world where you know, everyone's a keyboard warrior and you know, that stuff, but you just let it roll off. And when you're out there and. You know, just enjoy it. And, and like you said, when you're actually out there, you actually experience it, then you really know for sure. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I know we said we wouldn't go over an hour, but I'm okay if we do a little bit. But, you know, I want to just say, I wanted to say that, and I, you know, I think what Service Side is doing, though, is opening up a ton of doors for people like Dusty, like he said. With Huntlink, and honestly, we were already knew each other. But oh, we had met a we met another guy. I met a guy on Facebook that reached out. His dad had gotten hurt, and he didn't have anyone to go with. And Dusty and I agreed to go with him um, on a hunt. And then his dad ended up, you know, making it so that he could go now. So we're not going with him. But 
there's the culture of hunting and brotherhood is is super strong still, and I mean, service is one of the reasons why why that's going. I think. I mean, if you look at it too, if you're not a military vet, which I am, but if you're not in one of those three or four categories, it's hard to get discounts on hunting gear and service side allows that, you know, yeah, yeah, that's a big a deal when you or... get 50. Yeah. Unless you're, unless you're a guide or a pro or a military vet EMT or teacher, for some reason you can't get discounts. Right. So service side is big on that. Like, I don't know, I don't know how many hundreds of dollars Dusty saved, but it had to be 500 to a thousand bucks. Oh yeah, yeah I, you had to have saved a good bit. Start with at least that. a thousand, I would say. You know, I and, just saved thirty dollars on darn tough socks. And, and you know what's crazy is too, like the saving the money. Like I know it may seem like you know a lot of people may be listening. They're like, oh, that seems simple. Okay, yeah, you save money. That's a benefit. But the thing about it is, you saving that money. Like let's say you are pinching pennies or you are in a really really tight budget. Um, being able to afford the gear that you need, and not in a gimmick aspect, just stuff you need that you would have needed anyways. Like Dusty said, he can use all this stuff at home. Being able to get that at a different price point allows you to be able to take a lot of trips and allow, you know, it's a snowball effect. It's not because, you know, I tell people, I, I stress it all the time with, with any partner we have or, you know, we have, I think last time I counted, we were at like 158 partners with discounts and you know i tell people like it's not to push these products it's not to say if you don't have this you're not going to be a, a great hunter it's it's none of that stuff we don't get sponsored we don't get paid for it anytime a company or partner tells us hey we'd like to give you an affiliate or a or a, a percentage off any sale that comes to we say just add it up and give it to the, the team in, in a percent form so if, if we make whatever amount of money um, you know, like for example, we, you know, like with Redmond, we're, you know, we're partner with them, for example, they have an affiliate program. Well, anything that, um, you know, the members buy, if it looks good at the end of the year, they up the, the percentage and, and we're, you know, we don't need, we don't need that. You know, our membership fees, what fund service side, we don't need any of that extra stuff. So when we get it, we want to give it back to the team. And that allows you that thousand dollars Dusty save is going to be able to pay for gas. It's going to be able to pay for a tag. It's going to be able to pay for the fishing license. So now that trip is a little bit more in reach than you going out from scratch, having to pick and, and find stuff and do all this stuff. And then you end up having to pay all this money and flights and gas and tags. And, and you know, a lot of people forget getting the meat back. That's a, that's a checked bag. If it's overweight, that's upwards to a hundred dollars for that cooler. Um, you know, so being able to save allows you to accommodate those extra expenses that, that you don't think of, you know? Well, and I think it, Oh, yeah, go ahead, Dusty. Uh, another thing is, you know, because uh, before a lot of this equipment was kind of out of my reach, you know, I, I wasn't didn't wasn't able to afford it. And up here in northern Wisconsin, like during deer season, it's miserably cold a lot of times, zero degrees or whatever. But you know, now I'm super excited because I got I got equipment that I know is going to help keep me warm and it's going to make the hunt i'm so i'm i'm so excited for whitetail season this year because i know i got some good equipment 
that's going to make the hunt more enjoyable. Like there's been years where it's like, yeah, I ain't going out. This is like, <laughs> my stuff is trash and I'm going to freeze. Right. And now I'm just like so excited and it's going to open up more hunting for me to do because I am, I've got access to, to high quality equipment. But, and that's what I wanted to say, Justin is good job on even the people that you pick to work with. I mean, think of Badlands and I'm not pumping their tires, but that stuff's lifetime warranty. Yes, if Dusty is. if Dusty sells, say he has a shirt and it, you know, he gains a little weight, like oh, say Blaze gains weight, like I did, my all my extra large stuff didn't fit me anymore. Well, I can sell that or give it to somebody, and the lifetime warranty is still there. And because I'm allowed to get it at such a discount through Service Side, I can sell it for half price, and they and they love the price because they don't have to buy it new. And I can replace it with tri- double extra large now because I can sell it for the same price because it's half off. Like there's so much value inherent in it and it's lifetime warranty. Now, a lot of people like Sitka, but they don't do lifetime warranty. So when you go on to sell it and I mean, I when I fell out of the tree, they cut the shirt on my pants off of me. I sent it to Badlands as a joke. They sent me the brand new upgraded versions of the of the shirt and pants that they cut off. Dude, right? Badlands is solid, man. I, we've we've been partnering with Badlands a long time. Like you said, not trying to pump people's tires, but I mean, it is what it is. Like pat on the back. Like when you, that's taking care of hunters. And you know what? I'm sure I would have to talk to their marketing guy about it, but I'm sure that they understand that. Like the the it holding the value and the lifetime warranty. Like those are very smart people over there, and they know exactly as far. You know, there's a group on Facebook. It's a like a Badlands group where people buy and sell stuff and i love seeing that people aren't trying to screw someone over where you know we know how it is guides and veterans get 40 percent. we get a good you know we get 50 percent um you know there's some other um there's some other uh people in the mix i think like you said first responders and teachers and stuff but you know the thing about it is like i don't see someone from service side getting it and then being like okay you know this is 229 dollars and that's what it is online and i've wore it for five years it's it's not even the case i always see it for less than that that benchmark because yeah. i look because i'm the first one to tell someone like man you're a guy you got that for 40 percent off and you're trying to sell it for for what you know retail or whatever like come on man help your fellow hunter out you know a hundred percent and i'm glad everyone else i think a lot of people are paying attention to that like hey we you know, there's no one, I don't think there's anyone really taking advantage of it, even though they, they probably could get away with it on a one-off where they buy a bunch of gear, like say they're going out West and then they resell it on eBay or on something and they could almost sell it, make money doing it because you guys get the 50% off, but they, no one's doing that. And that's a, that's, that's a testament to the people that you're letting in the service side. I know that I recommended Dusty and I screwed up the whole process, but he actually went through the real process and like, what you guys were selling me, I forgot that I went through that a long time ago. You guys legitimately take it serious on who you let into this organization. Now, I don't know the rules. Luckily, I made it through. I don't know how, but Dusty made it too. You know, I I love the fact that we can be a part of a group that has morals and ethics. For sure. You know, and a lot of it boils down to, so, and like you mentioned, so it can, there are things that, you know, someone could try to take advantage. We do have steps in play, like, you know, we have code monitoring and, you know, if I see someone every day buying something and I'm like, well, that's weird. There's multiple sizes. There's, 
there's all this stuff. Um, but like you said, it's never an issue. Um, we do have safety procedures in play in case they ever did. But I mean, I've, I've worked here a few years. I've got, I was a member myself for many years and the type of hunter and the quality of hunter we bring in to certify that, that allows us to continue with these relationships such as Badlands and, and our other partners that we have. And, you know, we're just trying to provide, like, for Dusty's situation, we're just trying to provide as much good quality, you know, companies that are have similar values to us of United Hunters promoting conservation. Um, you know, obviously businesses have to make money and things like that, but... Um, you know, they're not out trying to screw someone over. Like you sent them the shirt. They immediately, you weren't even wanting a shirt. You were probably fine. And they ended up yep. taking care of you because they knew you'd been hurt and, and you know, you had it cut off of you. Now you don't have one. Um, and you spent good money on it. And, uh, you know, they were willing to take care of you. And the companies that do that, you know, they're the ones, in my opinion, that are going to continue to grow and last. Because um, at the end of the day, man, companies are multiplying like rabbits. So, um, you know, you being able to do that, you will always be ahead of your competition. Always. I mean, this whole episode, we didn't even, I never thought when we started this episode, we would even mention Badlands. And, you know, we've, we've had a few different conversations about it because of the way they treat their hunters. That's what, what it boils down to, you know? 100%. And, you know, I, you know, I just wanted to tell you that, you know, us. I don't know who's doing the acquisition of the the partners. If it's you or Torin or whoever it is, but you guys are doing a dang good job because it basically covered everything that Dusty needed for his trip. I think he even. I don't know if he did, but did you just buy a Gerber through service? I don't. I don't know if you used it or not, but like yeah, dog I, tough socks, Gerber. Yeah. Um. Uh. I did the. Um. Some crossbow stuff last year. I did. Um death grip to hold the crossbow for my eight-year-old to shoot her deer through you guys i've done tangle you know i've done tons of stuff through you guys um you know it's it makes hunting it makes hunting enjoyable if you have the right tools for sure and that's what we're trying to do here we're just trying to we're, you know i tell people all the time with stuff if we wanted to turn a dollar and we wanted to get people for their money i would charge a lot more than what we charge here um, i tell people that all the time if we wanted to hit someone over the head we sure as heck wouldn't be charging the membership fee that we charge we charge a lot more um and and we would make our you know i call it making quick money you'd make your quick money and then then, there, then what would service side be? You know, it wouldn't be um, what it is now. We, we grow the right way. I told you all this before we even started the episode. We could be at 10,000 members tomorrow, um, but we choose not to. We choose to continue to let the right person in because the people that are meant to be here, they always stay. Um, and they continue to grow in their experiences like y'all are. I mean, this is the first of many adventures y'all are going to have. Um, and, you know, I'm just a glad that Servicide's able to be a part of that and, and help in any way we can because we want to create those. Um, we want to create opportunities for everyone, no matter your social or financial status, is how I like to put it. You know, it doesn't matter if you're an influencer or you're sponsored or whatever. You can do the same hunt that Michael Waddell is doing this year. It doesn't matter how much money you make or if you got camera equipment. 
or if you even have equipment. I just, you guys were talking about backpacks. I literally just sent a backpack to a guy in Ohio who's going out to Colorado for the first time this year because you know why? I'm not doing any backpack trips this year. So let it sit in a closet and not get some blood on it or let a, let a member borrow it. You know? I 100% agree. The backpack that Dusty's using is my uncle's from Texas from two years ago. That just to pump Badlands one more time, it's the MRK uh, five or six pack. But and you know that saves Dusty five hundred and fifty bucks. Oh yeah, for sure. You know I no so uh, yeah I mean in summary I think that the main reason I'm glad we did this podcast I hope it helps a new the new person have the confidence to. Maybe he just has the confidence to get on HuntLink and look for people that are going out west and link up with people like Dusty and I, you know, and get the experience. Or maybe it'll give a couple guys the confidence to go and start their own adventure, you know. Um, I haven't been much on the on the service side uh, chats, but it's about time I probably start doing that to, to start promoting this. I mean, even being part of service side, I almost feel selfish because – I'm not doing enough with it. Like, you know, I'm not, I should be on there more. I used to do it a lot more and communicate back and forth with people and help them. And you just start getting in life and then you forget about, you know, you forget about it. Oh no, it, it, it's so easy to happen. And that's one reason why we have the perks designed the way we do so that you can utilize them when it's best for you. But you know, we're not your typical field staff, program we're not you don't need to do anything for us i hear it all the time just like you blaze people will tell me oh i feel bad and i'm like you don't need to we are here to help you get the best hunting experience and provide you with the platform and the tools to do it all you have to do is take advantage of it when you can when when it's able to um you know i work a lot too i know a lot of people that work a lot and the way we have it designed with the website is you go on there you can utilize any perk you want at any point in time um, and, and you're good to go and, you know, it, it, when it's best for you, you know, it's three o'clock in the morning and you want to get on there and look at hunt links, they're ready to do it. If you want to, we got a guy that's going caribou hunting in Alaska and has no clue what he's doing. He made a hunt link and said, Hey, I'm going caribou hunting in Alaska. I would love some inside knowledge as far as, you know, how to prep, how to prepare, et cetera, misconceptions. And he posted that as a hunt link and said, and also, Hey, I got a spot open if you'd like to join. Um, you know, hunt links can be so much more than, you know, just a planned hunt or just a trade for a trade or anything like that. It can go to the point of you're looking for information, um, because there is always someone here that's willing to help you. And if there's someone not willing to help you, they do what a lot of people should learn how to do on social media and they just continue to scroll, scroll by it and it doesn't affect their life, you know? Love it, buddy. Love it. So, fellas, we're on about an hour here. Um, I would love to get y'all on again, especially we can either do it maybe when you guys are on your way out to the hunt or after you do the hunt or whatever. We'll chat a little bit more. Um, but was there anything else that y'all wanted to touch on for this episode? Dusty, you got anything you want to tell the new guy? Or, I mean, I'm no, basically no, just uh, like a fire hose. <laughs> yeah, no, just uh. You know, don't don't be too intimidated. I've been leaning on Blaze a lot for what I need to do, and because he's had some experience and uh, been prepping a little bit here, just trying to 
loose, you know, to lose some weight and try to get in shape a little bit. But uh, I'm sure I'm going to get rocked once I get out there on the mountainside. But it's all it's all going to be just great. So I'm just super excited. Well, we can't ha wait to hear more about it, guys. And once y'all get back, just reach out to me. Uh, we'll set something up because we want to hear all about it um, in the moment. And I definitely wish y'all luck. And um, I, I I just can't wait to hear about it, to be honest with you. I, I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. I'm, I'm excited. I got hair standing up now just thinking about you guys out there on that mountain and, and uh, you know, trying to get it done and, and just really just, you know, experiencing what hunting's all about and 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 you know uh dusty you get to experience you know what real western hunting is not what you know meat eater portrays or some youtube guy or an instagram post you get to actually see it and feel it and like live it for yourself which is you know like uh, blaze said there's there's not a lot of words that can really describe it yeah absolutely it's gonna be no i and that's I don't even know how to explain it, but there's just a feeling, man. The cold wind in the morning, the colors, the smells, like, it, it's worth it if you never saw an elk. It's worth it no matter if the, the, the adventure. You feel so much, I don't know if it's poetic or lame to say, but you feel like a man out there, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, I, I get it. You, you definitely are in like in tune with like what humanity once was you know before we had the luxuries and the conveniences of everything we have now like you really get to you know because think about it like every single person on the planet at one point in time was a hunter like back in back in those days like that's the best way i like to put it is back in the days cavemen or early biblical times whatever Every single person had woke up and their job was to hunt, provide food, gather, create shelter, take care of their families. Like that was the jobs, you know, and then it evolved into conveniences and, and modernization of things and technology and all that other stuff. But at one point in time, every single person on the planet was hunting every single male. Uh, maybe there was females. I don't know how it was back then, but you know, every single person at one point in time was hunting on the planet and being able to get back with that is like, it's definitely unreal for sure. And, it, the, and it's not like, I know people pay a lot of money to go to dude ranches or go to these camping experiences. This isn't that much money and you get to be the guide. You know, you get to be in charge of whatever happens to you out there. Yeah. There's no better way to learn than firsthand experience, you know? So, well, I appreciate it, Justin, and I, I do hope it. I hope it helps at least one guy. One guy reaches out and asks for advice, or comes, or goes next time, or takes his kids. I hope that's what this podcast does. For sure, I definitely appreciate both of you y'all jumping on and taking the time. I know you guys got work and families and all that stuff, so I appreciate y'all taking the time. And I'm gonna get this all set up. I'm gonna try to get this episode out asap and. Uh, I'll let y'all know once I do, and we'll definitely reconnect again soon. All right. We'll be in touch for sure. Maybe on the ride back, that's always a fun, excitement ride back. Where Oh, yeah, we can do that, especially since it's a phone call. Yeah, it's a phone call, and it's 26 hours. You know, there's got to be some time in there we can pinch an hour I in. I tell you what, I'm a, I'm a busy man just like y'all, but we will we will make it work. We'll figure out something, and we'll make it work. All right. Appreciate it, buddy.
Thanks, Justin. All right, fellas. Thank y'all. Y'all are listening to Hunt Link by Serviceside.